Our first scripture that reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Listen to the word of God. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. And when the fires set twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountain trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of your sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray for we are all your people. Our second reading is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. Hear again the word of God. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as the twigs get tender and the leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, You know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you I say to everyone, watch. The grass withers and the flower fades, 
but the word of God remains forever. Amen. Welcome to the new year. With the beginning of Advent today, we start our path through another church year. It's always an exciting time of the year. New beginnings, renewed hope, a change in the seasons, the promise of Christmas. As I mentioned to the children this year during our journey, we're going to explore the four themes of each week of the Advent season, beginning with today's theme of hope. And was mentioned during, with the children, you will need to be here every week to learn the others. Now while the origin of Advent is uncertain, it comes from the Latin word Adventus and means coming or arrival. When we think of Advent, we usually associate it with the time leading up to Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, since the season of Christmas immediately follows. We begin the year with preparing and waiting for the birth of our Lord, our hope. It's a great way to start the new year. There's much anticipation and preparation. We hung the greens and began the process leading up to Christmas Day. We light a new Advent candle each week in anticipation of Christ's coming. And as we light each candle, the light grows and grows. We have changed the pyramids to purple, reflect, reflecting Christ's royalty. In our secular world, Christmas trees are going up, television ads, radio playlists, store decorations, everything is saying to us that Christmas is coming. Yes, it's begun. You may, have say, you may say it had begun before Halloween. But. <laughs> and as we get older, time seems to get faster and faster. But during this season, it seems to speed up even more. And how can you tell me did the phrase slow as Christmas ever come into being? <laughs> oh, he's as slow as Christmas. So you're saying he's pretty fast. Huh? There's so much to do. So little time to do it. Shopping, preparing Christmas cards to mail, planning meals. On and on it goes. And it goes quickly. There's nothing slow about it. And there's always the doubt that we can get it all done and whether we will be ready. But while we wait for the celebration of the birth of Jesus, Advent is also a time to reflect on and prepare for the promised second coming of Christ. And our scripture reading from Mark this morning talks about this coming, not the first coming. There's no mention of Bethlehem or wise men or shepherds, no angels from the realms of glory or mangers or cattle lowing. No, it's about Jesus' second coming. This may seem out of place because our focus is elsewhere. After all, this is the time to be getting ready for Christmas carols, nativity scenes, and candlelight services. We have our vision set on December the 25th and Christ's birth. But here we are reading about what it will be like on that last day. 
That doesn't seem to go with the start of a new year or the Advent season. But Advent has a double significance. During Advent, we do celebrate Christ. The light of the world coming into the world is a baby in Bethlehem. But we also look forward to his second coming. Advent is a time to reflect upon our readiness or lack thereof to welcome Jesus. We wait and pray with hope for our Lord's second coming. Now we probably can agree that we are an impatient society. We're not good at waiting. We have become accustomed to instant gratification and get impatient and disgruntled when we must wait. Today, where everything is immediate, waiting is not something we relish or enjoy. For those of us who attended college several years ago, you might remember what class registration was like. <laughs> Today, students just log onto their computer and register in just a few minutes. Back when we did it, we had to go to a large building usually the basketball arena, and wait in line for our classes. There were specific times that you had to be there, and you hoped that the class you were interested in wasn't already full. If you were successful in getting your card for a particular class in time, then you had to move on to the next slide. After getting through all of this, then you had to find an advisor to go over everything with you. Off you went into the bookstore where you'd face more lines. On and on it went. And it could take several hours. It was not something to look forward to, but to dread. With technology today, these lines are no longer needed. Other lines have gone away too because of the technology. Not many people stand in line at the bank anymore. It's all online. Banks are closing branches and slow to open brick and mortar new ones, primarily because there's not the lobby traffic of years gone by. The social aspect of greeting neighbors at the bank has also lost its significance. We have become a tap-and-go society. Amazon has made shopping as easy as a few clicks on the keyboard. Even some grocery lines can be managed if you order online and do curbside pickup. If you do go into Walmart or the grocery store, you must still deal with lines and self-checkout, and it can be frustrating. And even with all of our modern technology, other lines remain. There are lines of traffic, Stoplights, worst of all, waiting to see a doctor or dentist, or the horror of DMV. <laughs> Those are still daily realities, and most of us only wait with a lot of impatience. Now compare that with the message we read in our scripture passage this morning, wait and be ready. This is telling us to be ready for Christ's second coming. Now, agreed, after 2,000 years, 
It is difficult to stand on tiptoes waiting for the kingdom. It is hard to grasp this reality. But Mark tells us that Jesus' words were, What I say to you, I say to all. Keep awake. Now, after years of waiting, the, the dangers for believers is not a dramatic rejection of faith or refusal, refusal to step up at a critical moment. It is the practice of being lulled to sleep, of losing vision of God's presence and power before that presence and power come to full fruition. Much research has been done recently on sleep. There are now sleep centers where you can have a sleep study performed. Can you imagine our ancestors' thoughts on that? Sleep studies. There are even at-home sleep study options available now. And those who study sleep speak of the stages of sleep, which is, begins with the brain disengaging from the external world. Next, the brain shifts towards a kind of in-between stage. We do not seem conscious of our own entry into the sleep process. The processes in these stages are such that it's impossible for one falling to sleep to accurately define the point at which they fell asleep. Can you accurately and consciously know when that happens? You can't. It just happens. Falling asleep might be more accurately described as sliding into sleep. Perhaps our thoughts on Christ's return happens in the same way. We slide into sleep when Christ's instructions are clear. Keep awake. But how can we do this? How can we stay focused? One way is to stay busy. Have you noticed that when you're doing something that keeps you occupied, time seems to fly? You look up and say, where did the time go? Congregations should stay busy sharing the good news, helping the suffering, caring for our community and our world. Doing these things can help us focus and prepare us to welcome our Savior when he returns if it be in our lifetime. We also need to have hope. There are many things in our lives that we hope for. A good report from our lab work, for our families and our friends to be healthy and happy. A fly fisherman hopes that the trout will rise to take the fly, and he waits patiently and eagerly for that to happen. In these events and many more, hope brings about an awareness and energy that we cannot ignore. It is the same for the church congregation. Hope invites and energizes faithful action. Hope gives us courage and energy. As one writer put it, hope criticizes what is. Helplessness rationalizes it. Hope resists. Helplessness adapts. So while we seem to focus on the coming birth of our Savior during this season, 
with this double meaning of Advent, we should also consider the other coming and what it means to us and how we should acknowledge it. We can do this by staying busy in our congregation and in our community. We may have several months ahead of us when we are attempting to find our way in the new reality as a congregation. We must wait. We must stay awake. We must have hope. We should follow the same path when we reflect on our Lord's second coming. But let us go out this Advent season and enjoy it. Look forward to the Christmas activities. Enjoy the food, the gatherings, the celebrations. Take it all in. Remember with thanksgiving the birth of our Lord and Savior. But during this time, also reflect on a future time and what we should be doing in the present and what we can do to reflect Jesus' love to others through our service and hope. Amen.